Now, I heard this quote the last week, and if you remember, we were talking in Luke chapter 12, and we were addressing worry and its place in our lives, so I thought I would start with this today. This is something that I came across. It said, oh, little soul, escape from your everyday business for a short while. Hide for a moment from your restless thoughts. Break off from your cares, your troubles, your worries. Be less concerned about your tasks and labors. And make time for God and find rest in Him. Hide for a moment from your restless thoughts. Break off your cares, your troubles, your worries. Be less concerned about your tasks and labors. And make time for God finding rest in Him. A little reminder to lay down any treasure, any worry, any task so that we can be together with God seeking first his kingdom. And how amazing is it when all those other little things, those worries, those other treasures, those tasks lose their pull, they lose their sway over us. And instead, our hearts find what Stefan said we have come for today, rest, forgiveness, purpose, and peace. Speaking about finding things, I want you to consider. Consider the most honorable person you can imagine. And let's say they have some sort of like noble task, some amazing thing that they're going to invite you to participate in. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a scientist who's doing research to cure Alzheimer's, or uh, it's someone doing relief work in a foreign country. Maybe they're bringing water to a nation that doesn't have clean water. Or for me, it's King Arthur. He's inviting you to go find the Holy Grail. Either way, this honorable, noble, amazing person is inviting you to share with them in your struggles, their struggles, to go on this adventure, to do the work, to do everything that they're going to set out to do. And they tell you, they look you right in the eyes and say, you, sir, are a needed, indispensable part of the plan. If this is going to happen, we have to have you. And if that is worthy of consideration, if that actually happened to us and someone asked us and we would stop for just a moment to even be like, okay, How much more than the invitation from Christ Jesus, our Lord? Jesus, who has invited all of us to dedicate our lives to joining him in his task of redemption, who has called us to fight and overcome the real evils in this world of sin, death, poverty, war, strife, all the suffering and sorrow in the world, and to bring people to him so that they can find true peace in him. And I think that invitation, that call from Jesus really sets the tone for the text that we're going to look at today because our heart over this summer has heard over and over again that we are loved by God, that we are seen by God, that we are valued by God. And over this summer, our heart has been warned against greed, a courage to turn away from worry, encouraged to turn away from material things. And now the heart is ready to proceed, to go forward, We have hearts that want to respond accordingly to the call that Jesus has given each one of us. Today, we leave here saying, show me, Lord, where you are calling me to grow in my life. Show me where I am to enter more deeply into my calling, to take that next step in growth and holiness, to serve you more fully, whether that's at my job, my marriage, in school. I have a heart, Lord, that says, you have wanted me, so here I am, send me. So we're going to close out chapter 12 today. I'm going to scoot us back because if you remember, our assigned reading today is the very like almost last little bit of Luke 12. 
but I'm going to scoot us back to immediately following after that worry section. So if you have your Bibles out, now is that time to look at chapter 12. The verses, of course, are going to be following up uh, behind me as well, but we're going to see sometime during this task, Peter asked this amazing question, which is, Lord Jesus, is this that you are saying, is this for us, the 12 disciples, or is it for all people? And a little spoiler for you, this call is for each one of us. The call is for you to respond today. Now again, this is Luke 12, and I've just got a quick points on a few of us because we've got a lot of text to get through today. We are going to be spending some time in God's Word. So here it is, Luke 12, 35. Jesus says, be dressed. I know it's really small. That's crazy. Why would he make it so small? I'm sorry. Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, Jesus says, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them himself. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him Following his invitation that we looked at last week to seek first his kingdom and the kingdom of God, he is now telling you how to focus on that, to have your eyes look past your nose, right, and see beyond the immediate needs and to focus on Jesus, specifically the return of Jesus, the seeking for heavenly things, not worldly things, the doing heavenly things while here on earth like love and serveness, kindness and empathy, sharing our faith and opening our homes is what he is calling each one of us to. He says, be dressed and ready to serve and keep your lamps burning. Now, we should go to two verses right off the bat as soon as we hear that idea of dressed and lamps burning. The first one that I went to, because we've heard this from the beginning, is Colossians 3, verse 12. Maybe some of you even had this read at your wedding ver- as your wedding verse. It says, God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves, dress yourselves, put on compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, here it is again, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you are indeed called in the one body. Be thankful. This is what should be seen. Today we are going to talk about division and being different. You should look different. And notice here that the heart mirrors what is happening on the outside. And I love that lamp burning. What does that recall for you? If some of you may know this verse, maybe you even sing this song. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. A call to remember that we are walking in a world that is dark. And when we do that, This world needs more than just our heart and our hands. It needs Jesus. It needs the Word made flesh. It needs that Holy Spirit that is given. For the Lord who has called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light is with you every step of the way telling you, let's go. 
If we jump back to Luke 12 here again, look at verse 37 if you can right there. They don't have numbers, so I'll read it for you. If at the Last Supper, when he was about to be betrayed and killed, Jesus wraps a towel around himself and washes feet, speaks to them and encourages them. And then you remember, he gives the disciples this meal that we still take today, communion. Now, how much more will truly I tell you that he, Jesus, will dress himself to serve you, will have us recline at the table and will wait on them? If he was doing that before he would be betrayed and die, what will it look like to sit at Jesus' table on the other side of heaven? This is why we're ready. And we got to be ready at all times because the Son of Man is coming when we don't expect him. Now, you know the embarrassment of being called on when unprepared. Remember last week I told you about the hezzy look that the coach would give me? He'd look right at me. I think I was going in the game. It was embarrassing for me. But not as embarrassing that when my friends weren't paying attention in class and they would get called on by the teacher and I would whisper the wrong answer to them and they would say it. Now that's truly embarrassing. But it's not about that, right? It's about Jesus coming back. We don't want to be embarrassed hearing all the time that he's coming and then when he does, we're not there. This is probably... Not probably. This is definitely the most important thing that anyone could ever be ready for is the return of Jesus Christ. And he tells us to watch by aligning our hearts and our minds to seek first his kingdom. To watch in prayer of hopeful expectation and await his return. Trusting that he will do what he promised that he who began the good work in us will come about and see it unto completion, that he will return. If there was ever a more noble task or something to do, it is to watch and be dressed and be ready for Jesus' return because it is not a passive watching. It is an active So when Peter asked this question, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? Classic question, and I get it. Have you ever read the Bible and read like, man, Lord, did you write that just for me? Or is that for everyone? And the Lord then says this to Peter and to us. Who then is the faithful and wise manager here picking up at verse 42, whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It'll be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Because truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, my master is taking a long time in coming and then begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him at an hour he is not aware. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. That's right, I did just say cut him into pieces. Oh, I didn't, Jesus did. And that's not very gentle, Jesus. What happened to that whole saved by grace through faith? Now we're going to get cut into pieces? We are saved by grace through faith. This verse doesn't say otherwise. But this verse does say that those who are saved must respond accordingly. Not for their salvation, but for the benefit of their neighbor for the ease of conscience. It's like when my friend Justin tries to say he can bench 200 pounds, but he's never actually done it, he just says it. It's a whole lot easier to believe that you can do something if you've actually done it, like I have multiple times, almost two. (laughs) 
We have to respond to this. Not just because we want our conscience eased or because it'll help the person, but because of love, love for your Lord Jesus who has done everything for us. Today, our lesson is to get our sinful self out of the way and to let the spirit that he has promised to give us do its work through us. And if you're wondering what it looks like, I can tell you what it certainly doesn't look like. It doesn't look like mistreating or beating others. It doesn't look like excessively giving yourself over to the pleasures of this world. It's not saying you gotta have nothing nice. It's saying don't go into intoxication. Don't lose the focus. Because the readiness for Jesus to return is clearly connected to a life that is lived in love, focused in self-control. He's saying don't reach for a fancy shirt out of an extra barn that you built, but instead dress yourself in a way that is appropriate to be known as my disciple in love. Don't wake up every morning and say, what's in it for me today? Instead, let the word, the lamp, guide you and be transformed by the power of Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in each one of us. And don't forget to not grow weary in doing good. Like we learn in Galatians 6, right? At the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Because there are many who get weary of waiting for Jesus, who are now cynical about his return because, well, it's been about 2,000 years. This is the exact attitude that Jesus is warning against. I believe that he delays, that he has not come back just yet because there are still those who must be saved. How much suffering how much pain, how much loss, how much self-control would you be willing to show so that another could be saved? We pray, come Lord Jesus and come quickly, but maybe give us just one more day to reach out, to love, to try and convince, to share your word. Because the servant here in verse 47 who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much more will be demanded. And from the one who has entrusted with much, much more will be asked. When the master comes and he will, he will let the punishment match the offense. Those who knew how to be ready and yet were not will be punished worse than those who did not know and were not ready. And if you want to debate that with me another time offline, let's talk about what that means. But don't miss this right here. To whom much is given, much is required. Because I've had conversations in youth ministry in the past when like, well, really, I think this is for the really wealthy. Because there are billionaires who have the ability and enough money to fix the real problems of this world and instead are just living on their yachts or, or building rockets. And we've all seen that meme about the Amazon guy who could get everyone in the world a king-sized Snickers bar for Halloween and doesn't. What's that about? This is clearly against him. But is it just for the wealthy? The task or the text is written to servants. 
And the servant isn't usually wealthy. And if we're to take Jesus at his word, if we're to really believe in what he is saying, he's quite clear that the things of this world don't amount to much. But perhaps he is talking and referring to the greatest treasure, the message of hope and deliverance that you have been given. That you have moved from death to life in your baptism. That you have been given forgiveness and eternity and have had the very spirit of God put in you. We have been given much. You can come with us to Mexico and see how much you've been given. Or you can come with us to Kenya in January and see how much you've been given. You can come here at St. John's every third Saturday and see how much you've been given. Or you can join a care community and support vulnerable families and see just how much you've been given. But having a better life doesn't make us better people. But having a life where we have been given much means we can be used by the Father as His servant to do much. That is not for your neighbor, that is for you. Each one of us given gifts to serve. Whenever spiritual gifts are mentioned in the Bible, they are mentioned not for a person's own ego or for ranking people in their ways that who is higher, who has what better gifts, but so that each one of us uses our gifts for the betterment of the body, the whole body. And don't even get me started talking about Jesus who was given much and gave even more. And because of him, because of what he gave, because of what he did, we don't read this text and look at ourselves and feel condemned unless we need to in order to get Mark in here. But this is more of a pep talk, friends. This is the halftime rally. This is the big time speech. This is the call that says your heart is ready, yes? Ready to respond. We don't squirm in our seats today and say, you know what? I'm going to get to that tomorrow. This is the time where we get up and go. And Jesus says this, the focus for our text today. Look at Luke 12, 49. I have come to bring fire on the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism to undergo and what constraint I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five and one family divided against the other, three against two, two against three. They'll be divided father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Now fire here, is it judgment? Because Jesus spoke about judgment coming upon the Jews and really upon all people at the second coming. And in Jewish thought, fire is always used as judgment. Is the fire here the Holy Spirit that Jesus would give at Pentecost that would dance on the heads of the disciples and all those present in the room? Is the fire the spreading of the good news, the coming expansion of the work of His kingdom across the globe? Is the fire, the spirit that is in each one of us, given for the role that we play in delivering the restorative hope of Jesus? The answer is probably yes to all of them because the fire has come. Jesus went through his baptism of fire on the cross. He took your sin, my sin, the sins of the whole world, and the wrath of the God and the punishment of hell for us. He was baptized in fire, immersed in agony suffering and death and now we 
baptized into Jesus Christ are immersed also into his death and with everything that comes with that baptism, including the mercy, the love, the forgiveness, and the fire, the fire to get up and go. So I'm closing with this point that Jesus gives us. Do you think I have come to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you division. And if you were confused about the beatings and the cutting into pieces before, I thought the Prince of Peace, he brings peace, not division. What's going on? I thought Jesus was supposed to make us all kind of love each other and we were to get along, not offending anyone, we just do whatever it takes to get along. And what about those angels at Christmas and that song, man? Simeon said this way back in Luke chapter 2 when Mary brought Jesus to the temple. He blessed Jesus said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Jesus comes offering peace, but there are those who reject it. But it's clear there's two sides, no middle ground. You are for Jesus or you are against him. And so he has called you to look different He has called you to be in this world, but not of this world. To be a part of this world, but to be apart from this world. That's wordplay. I don't really think this division is calling you to be a person who's picking fights or arguing constantly or showing others where they're wrong. There are times for that for sure. But in a deeper way here, he is calling you. Jesus is calling you to embrace division from the me first type of life and the ways of this world a division from the things of this world so that you can experience true peace and purpose. A division from your sinful self so you stop putting yourself first and instead you pick up your cross and you follow Jesus. Then you will experience peace and purpose. A division even from things that are very personal to you, in some cases, family. Not a free pass here to just get up and leave your family so you can become a monk or something. This is the call that sometimes you have to choose between the ones and the things you love and the Lord Jesus. And that is not an easy choice to make. And some of us have had to do it. The division that Jesus brings is to separate you from everything that would come between you and Him. And the promise that Jesus gives you is that he will separate and remove the power of those things and will replace it with his love. I think we need this pep talk today. I think we stand at no better time to have our hearts broken in those false kingdoms that we've built up to be torn down and have words for us today that are pointed and real because it is real. This is not some game of following Jesus when we want to. This is everything. This is the call to respond. What do you need division from? What is keeping your heart from a heart full of faith and hands that follow? And if you're like me, I bet you don't have to think about it too long. Your heart calls out to be delivered from it, to be freed from that which is keeping you. So give to him. Take what would hold you back and ask Jesus to remove it. And when temptation comes, and it will, 
call upon the Lord to help you, to deliver you, to give you the strength. And then you will know. Then you will know what it means to cry out fully. It is well. Divided from the things of this world and united to Christ Jesus. So let's each one of us get dressed. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus and give praise to him.